Welcome to Intentional Marriages Podcast, where we share the decades of lessons we've learned down into days for you. Today, my guest is Gina Sorrells. She is what I would call an overachiever. You'll find out pretty quickly why I call her that. Join me in listening how this mama of two little ones tries to stay intentional in her marriage. Hi, Gina. Hi, Danielle. (laughs) Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. So I wanted to ask you a few questions. You have been through a number of our (laughs) programs. Several times over. (laughs) Yes, and we do want to talk about that several times over Mm -hmm. (laughs) because some wives have problems bringing their husbands just one time. (laughs) I think you brought him almost four times. (laughs) And I'll tell you why later. (laughs) (laughs) Let's back up and talk about first, how did you meet Darren? Um, we were, we were eHarmony connections. So, um, through doing that site and, you know, after the first few dates, you kind of decide, I guess, if you want to, you know, say, see you later, or, <laughs> or if you were for me, I'm kind of not a, I don't really date a lot of people at the same time. I never could really do that. Um, I would go on like one or two dates with different people. If that's just how dating worked, I seem to have a, a either, you know, kind of a deluge of dates or like nobody for six months. And so I used to have a lot of first dates. And then if I wanted to date somebody, you know, you continue on with just one person. But um, so we continued on and it ended up working out so far. Seven year itch coming up. (laughs) Oh, is it? Seven year. Yeah. (laughs) Congratulations. Thank you. And how many kids? Two kids. One is turns five on Wednesday and the other one turns one next Saturday. So you had a COVID baby. Yes, we did. (laughs) Right at the beginning. Yes. (laughs) Has he been to the grocery store? Nope. Has he seen other people besides your family? He has only met grandma, grandpa, and granny, um, both of the sets of grandparents and just anybody in the neighborhood that we pass by on walks. So he's never been to any other building other than his doctor's office and where he was born in the hospital. So that's been the extent of our little world for the past 14 months now, I guess. (laughs) And quite different for Isabella. Oh gosh. Yeah. She was going to gymnastics classes and ballet and started preschool. And, you know, so she was out and about much more obviously than he has been, but you know, he's one, he'll never remember and he'll never know. So. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Let's back up. How did your husband propose? We actually had a very interesting proposal because I, I feel like I knew it was coming right around the holidays of the year that he proposed. And um, like every holiday day that would come up, I would be a wreck. I'd be just, you know, making sure my hair looked nice. <laughs> I think I made sure my nails were painted, which is amazing to me now that I even painted my nails. But, um, you know, just making sure. And then I would wonder, okay, is he going to do it here? Is he going to do it in front of family? Is he going to do it private? Is he, you know, just all those things that you wonder, I think, when you have an idea that this is coming. And 
I was like a nut, nutcase through the holidays because, and it never happened. And so we've oh, gone no. through, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas, and we happen to have several birthdays right around the holidays too. And so I didn't know if that would be happening during one of those celebrations. And so it was after Christmas, it didn't happen on Christmas. I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm making myself nuts. So I just need to let it go and it'll happen when it happens. And so we went through New Year's and nothing happened. <laughs> and it just so happened that his football team was playing in the national championship that year. And we were traveling to California for the Rose Bowl. And so for me, it was kind of a sigh of relief because I'm thinking there's no way he would bring a ring with him on the plane right. to California. That would be insane. Right. And it just so happened that this was like the trip from hell because <laughs> we got, we were connecting in Chicago the plane or the, the connecting flight was canceled as we were in the air. I don't know how long he looked up the connecting flight and the flight got canceled to connect us to Pasadena or to LA, wherever it was we were flying into. And um, so you hear him go, oh, with an expletive when we're in the, because of course he's got the ring inside his carry-on. And so um, I didn't know that it was that big of a deal. And just, you know, I was thinking, whatever we'll figure out we'll we're drive or we just won't go I mean this is ridiculous like so we all get to Chicago there's a whole half a plane full of people all going to this game and so um they were able to book us on a flight the next morning instead of arriving to LA that day um, or that evening and so we had to connect through Arizona through Phoenix and it was just this whole like the event was supposed to take place the day after evening after we were to arrive in LA, but now we've spent the night in Chicago. And so we're flying, you know, to get to LA at that time. And so I could tell when we landed and when we were in Arizona that he was getting antsy about stuff. And I didn't know if he had reservations or what he was thinking or planning, or if he'd done something to plan. But again, I have no concept of him bringing a ring to right. California. And so, um, I, we were in Phoenix and he told me, you know, I just want to let you know, we do have reservations, you know, somewhere tonight. So I'm a little anxious to get there. And when we landed in LA, wherever it was, I can't remember which airport at this point, but um, I said, why don't we bypass going to the hotel and we'll just go straight to the beach where you have these reservations out in Redondo beach. Um, and so, you know, we stopped at a Holiday Inn Express. I said, let's just go in and pretend we are going here. And we went to the bathrooms and we changed our clothes because we had brought fresh underwear, but we were still wearing the same clothes. We had brought fresh underwear and PJs. So the stuff that we slept in in Chicago <laughs> was it the clothing from the day before, but we had at least been able to shower and change and had fresh underwear and socks. So that was nice, <laughs> which was a step ahead, all the people that slept in the airport. So. Um, so anyway, we get to the Holiday Inn and I go in and I like make the bathroom my bathroom. I mean, it's like I set up my curling iron, I put makeup on, I you know, do everything that a woman would do. And I think I'm listening out for Darren to see if he's coming out of the bathroom. He said he was in and out in five minutes. He, I didn't even hear him come out. So I'm delaying him and he's like, babe, are you ready? Are you <laughs> And so I'm packing everything up real quick and we get out there and we go to this marina inside a marina and he takes me and I'm wondering, oh, there, oh, there's a bunch of restaurants here. He must've gotten us a reservation. How nice to have a day before. Um, Cause a bunch of, I would say like 10 of his buddies were coming um, with him, like his tailgating group. Uh, we're doing the trip as well to go to this game together. And so um, then he leads me over to some kid that's like waiting for us on the side of this marina. Once we're in the parking lot and we've parked and it's a gondola ride. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I was just floored. I was in a gondola is a, a nod to my father who had passed away when I was in my twenties. And so it was really sweet for him to even oh. think of like us having a special moment. I am still not thinking ring because there's no way that he would have done this and brought a ring with him. Right. And then on a boat, who does that? And so um, we're on this little gondola ride through the marina in Redondo beach. And we go past the sea lions and that are barking at us. And so we have some funny things and it's a beautiful night. And um, I just thought it was such a lovely gesture to do something nice and romantic and um, kind of couple-ish when we're going to be around all these, you know, people partying basically for the weekend and or for the week. And so um, again, no ring. And then all of a sudden he reaches in his pocket and I'm thinking, oh my God, is he doing this now? <laughs> the middle of this gondola ride. And he takes out a tissue and blows his nose. And so then I'm like, I can't believe that I'm still even thinking this. And I, oh, I just knocked over my whole little setup here. But, and then, um, so anyway, I am, again, I dismiss it thinking that this is crazy that I'm still thinking that he's going to propose at this point. And I, it took probably, we were almost done with the gondola ride because you go out and you come back. So it's the same route. And um, I look at him, he asked me to, he looks down at my feet and he said, would you mind moving your feet over a little bit? And I said, yeah, sure. And the man gets down on his knee and he proposes in the gondola, in, in the gondola <laughs> with oh. Andrea Bocelli playing on the CD player behind oh. us. And the, you know, the, the teenage, he's probably 20, the gondolier who was up there doing the gondola ride. And um, let's see if I can remember it right. He, he said, I know I love you, you know, I love you and I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Will you marry me? So I, of course, was, oh my God, <laughs> freaked out. And the, actually the really neat part about it was that um, we were, we went and we met the other group of friends um, that were with, that were coming, you know, so I got to like walk into the restaurant and be like, here you go, <laughs> and they're like, you know, so everybody yeah, went that's fun. So it was really fun to kind of have that moment of sharing with everyone. So I'm resetting up my camera here. Okay. My little tower of Pisa fell over. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, he did a, for somebody who is not a romantic gesture kind of guy, he really, I mean, really, really did it. So, um, and I was impressed that one, he even found a gondola in Redondo Beach, California. Like who does that Yeah, <laughs> there? So um, it was very sweet that, and that he, he kind of made the effort to include my heritage and cause we kind of, I come from the Northeast and he comes from the South. So there's, you know, kind of a polar opposite thing that goes on there sometimes when we talk about our families, but um, you know, as much as you can be all being American and <laughs> whatever, but um but anyway, so it was, it was lovely. He did a great job. Russ has a tendency to cringe when he hears me ask what proposals were like for other wives. <laughs> I mean, Darren may not be romantic, but I, I think Russ wins the most non-romantic proposal ever. I don't know if I've ever heard this story. I don't know how I have oh, it. It's short. <laughs> it's really short. Um, he has the ring. He asked if I want him to get down on one knee. He asked you that? <laughs> I humored him with an answer. <laughs> you, I think you're a better woman than I. <laughs> he got down on one knee. He asked, will you marry me? I said, yes. 
And then he proceeded to have a stomach ache. Like that was his reaction to proposing to you, or was he already? That's what I was thinking. Was he already I mean, ill? <laughs> oh, so so fast forward, I give him another chance, right? Like the guy deserves another chance. You know, he'd been married before. He's super nervous about doing this again. Let's give him a second chance. Right. Why I chose nine years in, I don't know. But we were in Portugal, and I had he had bought me another band. Oh, so okay great opportunity for you to ask me do. <laughs> so we're in Portugal he's laying down on the bed just hanging out and he says you know man my my jaw's really hurting he proceeds to have the worst toothache of his life that he is prepared to fly back home to get it fixed and fly back that's how we were on a work club trip Oh and God. so he was prepared to fly home to get it fixed and come back. That's how painful it was. Oh my word. So that so was. Why that are was two of very painful events associated with any time he has to ask you to marry right? him? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, Danielle, take a hint. <laughs> you oh physically God. ail me when I have to ask about this commitment. <laughs> oh my God. Right. And I think. And you're a personalizer. So that helps. <laughs> Yeah, be, me being a personalizer, that did not help. Um, and any dentist listening to this will know that when you lied, the reason why he didn't feel it during the day is because he was sitting or standing. Right. And the minute you lie down, the pressure began oh, to. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that that was an issue. Okay. Yeah. And so that's why it got worse when he was taking a break, laying back. And so that was the end of that. There you go. Well. So, Yeah. <laughs> I would say that you have other romantic stories to tell, but neither of our husbands are really like that. So I don't really. Mm. <laughs> I think we'll, I think we'll move on with yes. your interview. Good idea. <laughs> they have many other good cards. qualities. They're excellent card buyers though. We both have excellent you know card what? buyers. They both are. They, you should see the cards that he got me for mother's day and yeah. birthday. It was so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> like and, to and make you. Happens <gasps> to find the Exactly. <laughs> Those kinds of cards. <laughs> yeah. As long as somebody else can say it for them. <laughs> right. It's beautiful. <laughs> so, so we, we have led a marriage curriculum on behalf of the church. We've done it 17 times now and it's called thrive mm -hmm. and it's an eight week program. Um, typically when we go around and ask the couples, we've usually never met the couples. There's five to six couples that join us for eight weeks. We go around the room and we ask, what do you hope to get out of this? Why did you sign up? And it's usually the wives saying, well, I want to get this and this and this out of it. And the husband's like, I'm here because of her. <laughs> and they have no clue. So I'm really curious to know how, how did you hear about Thrive? Did Darren want to go? Did he know what he was walking into? Share that story. Yes, with yes. The well, we um, of the seventeen times that you did it, we did it with you four. <laughs> so, so I'll I'll speak to the first time. Um, we okay. were just at this really rough patch. Um, when we are both stressed, we are very not good to each other. When we're both stressed at the same time, um, and I think it was just right around that three, three year mark or so we had Isabella. She was young. Um, she was probably nine months old or something like that when we went the first time. Um, 
and it was just readjusting to, you know, adjusting to a new schedule and a new priority in our lives and learning to adjust and live with each other and arguing with each other. He had come from a household where he had heard his parents argue once. And so the fact that we were fighting at all, but made him think that we were doomed for failure and both of his sisters have been divorced. So that's what he's seen in that area. And one of them was a horrible situation. So, you know, he doesn't, he has a lot of experience seeing things not work out. So um, I think he was very scared probably. Um, and so I was starting to look at counseling options. We went and saw our, um, the, the guy that we did the premarital stuff with, um, it was, you know, like three sessions of premarital counseling or whatever it is that they require you to have. And um, he thought it was a lot of money for really not any production of anything. And so I was just looking at resources that North Point had, and um, this was one of them, and it was really inexpensive, <laughs> which for him is a hot button. So, um, you know, it was honestly really inexpensive therapy in a way. Um, and I did come up with, you know, I, I found it and I said, would you be willing to go and do this? And for us, a little eight week session with a young child is kind of a perfect amount of commitment because finding a sitter for eight weeks is much more doable than finding just saying, I'm going to join a small group and have to be every single week for however, you know, interminably, it could be Eight, two years, months, you know, two 18 years. months or something like that. And so that's just sounds so ridiculous to anybody who's a full-time who has kids. Like, how do you find a babysitter every single week for two years? Like it's just <laughs> crazy unless you have like your parents living next door. So, um, you know, so that is something that's just for us manageable. And so, um, when we went the first few, I would say Darren was like, okay. And I think more because of, it was incredibly <laughs> less expensive than, than the option of going to re, like what I call traditional therapy. I hate to say like real therapy, but traditional therapy, you know, where you go and you see an individual person's a counselor. And so, so we went and the first couple of times that we were doing the homework together, I mean, no joke, he's sitting on that couch. I'm sitting on this couch and he is like, arms crossed. I mean, just one word or one sentence answers, like not having any of this. And I think I, sometimes when we can't talk to each other, I'll email him yeah. and we can email back and forth if we're not able to have good face-to-face -face conversations and we're able to communicate better like that. Sometimes much more so early on, not as much now that we've been through thrive four times. I did the same thing early on. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, I, I remember specifically a phrase that he said when I was kind of asking, you know, you don't seem to be involved or, you know, you don't say much. And I know you're not one to say much anyway, but, you know, I'm trying to get pull a little bit more out of him. And he said, you know, I, I, and his phrase was something to the effect of, I really didn't want to go this deep. Oh. <laughs> so I was like, crushed of my my world crushing like my husband doesn't want to be this intimate with me he doesn't want to work at it right. this hard and I think you know now knowing now what we know he had a father who provided you bring the paycheck home and that's all he was responsible for right, right. and you know and he took care of the yard you know and that's what the men had to do in that and it's also a generational thing I think too you know this is kind of a new thing in general, I think for a lot of men who never had any, the example of a father showing them how to be emotionally connected to their wives. Exactly. 
so it, I mean, it's just, they never were given that, or if they were, it was in very small doses or it was on mother's day or on their birthdays, you know, they saw those kinds of things that are on special occasions. It was not a daily thing that they saw their parents work through trying to be connected to each other. And so, um, you know, and I have, I had more experience seeing that than he did with my family, but not a lot more, you know, some more, but, um, you know, my parents were physically attentive to each other much more than his were, but, um, you know, so I just think the examples that were given and, and he just never saw it. And so, you know, and, and his father was very much a patriarch and the head of the household. It was not a partnership. You know, it was not a 50-50 partnership. He was definitely in an elevated position compared to the mother. And so what he said went, and there wasn't a lot of argument. I think she figured out how to get things that she wanted, because I think that's what women can do. But, um, you know, it's just different. It was just a different generation. So but now that we've been through it, we can argue and we cannot think that it's the end of the world and we can, we can do those things. So, um, you know, it, it's much better in that realm. And I, I know some of the other questions will, you know, lend to that more, so I won't go into too much depth, but initially he was not on board. <laughs> so, and, and do you know, or can you pinpoint when the arms went from this to kind of leaning in a bit more? Probably, I would say the arms at least were no longer crossed the second time we did Thrive. <laughs> By the end of the first Thrive, he would say this phrase, I can see the value in it. Okay. So he was understanding that, and that became a phrase that he said a lot. <laughs> like, I can see the value in this. And I think it took him until probably the third time where he started leaning in and where he started like maybe asking me more questions and kind of going the extra mile and thinking about things more and it not just being when we did the homework, you could tell he was thinking of it outside of that and implementing things more, but it really took at least going through it a full two times. So, you know, 16 weeks of this and the same, you know, the same material again. Um, before he was, I think, open to delving into it. And even now he has said um, that he's, he knows, he admits that we all need counseling just because of life. Um, but he said he's, he's almost worried to open that can of worms because he's <laughs> the amount of work that he knows he would have to do or the amount or the things that he would unearth, um, he knows would be difficult and he knows um, would take a lot of work. So um he's admitted to that and that is a huge step for him to even say yes I'm aware that this is something that one day we'll have to do so and I've heard many couples say I don't want to open up that can of worms everything's you know they're happy with the status quo yeah but they don't realize how much deeper and better it can get oh yeah with with you know opening up that can okay so you you you've indicated, you know, you've been through this four times. I think some wives are like, how you even got them to the first group, much less going a second and a third time. <laughs> what is it about the group dynamic that allowed him to at least uncross his arms the first time and even consider going a second or third time? Well, I think he, he loved you guys. He loved you and Russ. And so I think he, he related to Russ really well. And just the way that Russ was able to um, present things and 
um, kind of how he spoke guy language. Russ is very good, I think, at speaking guy, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, it, it, it does. It does. Um, he's he having is. these issues or everybody has these difficulties. It may have a different color or a different window drapery that goes with it, but we all go through this because we're all human and, you know, we're all trying to live together and love each other. So um, it, it helps. You have a camaraderie, you know, that oh my God, your wife does that too, you know, and oh, this is a regular dude and he's dealing with the same stuff, you know, so it wasn't a lofty professor sitting in front of you or a counselor who, you know, seems a little bit too uh, cerebral, you know, like it, it really brings it down to a level and you're sharing stories with these people that we, we've always said that, you know, we don't even tell our best friends or our family members, you know, some of the things that are shared in these sessions. And so you develop a, a relationship that kind of, I think really bonds you. So. Yeah. And, and the ability to take down that stigma that I think a lot of people are like, oh, our marriage is great and we love each other. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I love Russ, but sure. he, he can get on my ever, I oh mean, my he God. can get on my nerves. Right. Never been so mad at somebody. <laughs> and we have these sweet newlywed couples that come in and they're like, they're leaning in going, it's okay to fight. Yeah. And I'm like, exactly. look, there's a way to fight. And the most important part is how you repair. Mm -hmm. And, and so I, you can see they're like, oh, okay. So this is normal. <laughs> right. Yeah. And even and for I, them to understand that it is normal and that it happens to everyone. And we have to break the stigma that Mm -hmm. Our every marriage, I mean, we've now mentored 150 couples, every single marriage has some kind of issue that they're working through, working on, and we all have our highs and lows, <laughs> right? Yep. We wish we could freeze the highs and eliminate the lows, but that's right. not realistic. Right. And you just have to learn how to weather and get through those moments. And nobody arrives. Russ, uh, you, he's been in counseling 22 years. I've been in it with him for 17 years. We do not arrive. Right. No one does, but you learn to manage it better. Exactly. Right. Yep. And then that, that builds the intimacy and, and brings you closer. Yep. And, and the best part is gives you peace. <laughs> right. In a, in a world that you so need it. <laughs> Especially with two little ones. Yes. 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 Um, Okay, so what did you, at any point in time, since you had gone through it four times, what did you implement after Thrive? What showed up differently for you guys? We were, I was very much a looper. Um, when we had some sort of an argument or disagreement, um, I would just think about it and it would fester and I would just get, oh my God. <laughs> and then you would pull from, then I would pull from like the annals of my memory banks of like, and the before he did this too, and he did it again here. And, you know, I mean, I could loop and add on and just, oh, I was awful about that. Um, and so I have learned to stop um, and take that pause. I think the pause is the most important thing that I've learned to do and, and look at, at, look at things through the eye, through the lens of love. And that was something that we, we learned through that to look at everything through the lens of love. And it's amazing how, when you truly do stop and think it's, it, it is like a light switch when all of a sudden, and I don't know if it's a God thing, a Holy spirit thing or whatever it is, but it's like a light switch when you're able to stop looping in your own annoyance or frustration or whatever your emotion is, negative emotion is. Um, and able to look at it through that other lens of your husband and have that compassion for, okay, 
he comes from this. So this is why he felt this. And this is his number one need. So I can see how I was, you know, rubbing up against that. And, or this, I know this is a wound and, you know, so you were, I'm able to connect more dots now mm -hmm. and realize that either his anger or my anger isn't necessarily associated with him, you know, it's, or not associated with me. It's associated with something else. Usually when we're both so angry about something and we're actually able to even repair, not in the moment quite yet, but usually within an hour or two, or if that's amazing, or if Darren, you know, you have kids. And so sometimes you can't even come back to each other till six hours later, just depending upon what point of the day you're in. Um, and so usually that day at some point, I'm able to either go into his office and give him a hug and say, I am so sorry. I've been so stressed, you know, and at least address it. Whereas before, it was done. It was under the carpet and we didn't talk about it again. So it's which, at least which leads ultimately to resentment. Right. Yeah. So, and, and I could feel that. And I knew that there was resentment there because just the fact that I had the ability to loop and to go back to X, Y, and Z that had happened, who knows when, you know, in our marriage or, I mean, we've only been married seven years, like, <laughs> but I could pull from wherever those memory banks were. And oftentimes things that he didn't remember because he's a really bad memory about stuff. He just doesn't recall. <laughs> and so if I bring things up, he's like, I don't even remember. <laughs> and so it's hard for us to repair something that nobody recalls. And so if you're not handling it in yeah. kind of an area where you're both recalling the situation yeah. and the other person doesn't know or can't recall, mm -hmm. it doesn't help at all to talk about it X number of months or years later, because they can't recall the emotion or the feeling or the problem. And so you're just explaining it from your viewpoint. And of course, it's going to be skewed in some way, probably in your favor, because that's what we do. We're great at being defensive of ourselves. Um, but yeah, so we're, we're at least able to know that arguing is okay. And we're at least able to do some sort of repair now. And not just forget about things. I'm not saying that things don't fall by the wayside and nothing gets swept under the rug anymore. But um, and, that, and I think that is more nature of the busyness of our lives at this time, because I work two jobs and have kids at home full time and Darren works full time and, you know, as responsibilities of the outs, outside world, because he does everything outside of the house for us. <laughs> and so, um, you know, things do fall by the wayside, but much more healthy than we were before. And I think you mentioned the the critical component of that when you're able to connect these dots, that there is compassion. Oh gosh, yes. A lot of, I, I would think that anyone watching this is gonna be like, yeah, in the heat of the moment, there's no pausing. Like no. I'm not gonna pause and that's not gonna happen. And so the whole time you're, you're sharing your story, I'm like, yes, but how, how do you stop? And you, you explained by being able to have done the thrive that you're able to connect those dots of, I've learned this about him. He has this relational need. He's having a 10 reaction to a two circumstance. And right. I know this is coming from an emotional wound and, and so forth. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, and I mean, to not to say that we stop fighting, like no, there, the fight will still continue. Like we had an argument when he had taken Izzy out for a walk and it was a cold day and it was a whole long, big thing. And we still went through the full maybe 20 minutes of arguing with each other. And like, <laughs> Isabella was yelling at us to stop. 
arguing in the background. <laughs> stop, oh. stop talking like that. And I had to like make her go to her room so we could continue our argument. And I'm holding RJ and RJ starts crying and I'm like rocking him and we're still like, <laughs> you know, at each other. And so it, it still went on, but we were at least able to come back to it later. We were able to stop at one point and come back to it later with more obviously right. solid brains and but you you and and you it does take practice to be able to stop and one thing that our our counselor has always told us is even in the middle of a fight it's absolutely critical to pause and stop completely we should have stopped probably no. 15 minutes before we did and, and <laughs> but 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 what i love about your story is that's going to be the common the way things happen right that I, I don't want to present something that's like, oh, that's unique. And, you know, they're, they're so special of a couple. <laughs> but what, what really stuck with me when he talked about that, if you can catch yourself in that one second and pause, mm -hmm. you know, some people will say, there's no way I can ever pause like that. And what I've asked people who say that is, let's say you're about to drive up to the drive-through window. You're arguing with your partner, but you turn and you're nice to the cashier. Right. Or you get a work call. You're in the middle of a fight with your spouse, but you pick up the work call and you're like, hi, you know, and you're talking to your boss. We do have the ability to mm -hmm. stop in the midst of chaos and arguing, but we choose not to because we feel so safe with our spouse. Right. Mm -hmm. And we feel the liberty, like they're not going to go away, but I may lose my job if I go off on my boss. <laughs> exactly. I may not get my fast food <laughs> right? if I freak out on the cashier. So it's still an important principle that, and we highly, highly recommend pausing and completely stopping the fight, but you are a, a wonderful example of how it does continue on, but how you are able to go back to it. And that's mm -hmm. the critical part is going back to it which I have to say is interesting kind of in our relationship because um, I would say 99% of the time, I have to be the one who goes back to it because Darren is a, I need harmony kind of guy. He's a green, if you've ever done those, you know, the colors thing, the temperament colors, yeah, the temperaments. And I have to be willing to take the responsibility to be the one he, now he has come and apologized first or said something first before, but going back to the fight and bringing that up again has to be it's just my job and that's and I have to be okay with that which sometimes I am and sometimes I'm not <laughs> so um, I'm still working on that <laughs> yeah Russ had uh, a lot of anxiety because he wanted to fix it within 30 seconds where right. I wanted three days away from it <laughs> right yeah and he's like no we need to fix it now it was on me as the person who shuts down to come back in a reasonable time. Right. And so I've had to work on that. And he's had to work on, give me my space. Because patience. after yeah. me, I'm, I'm going to hunker down in my little turtle shell. And the more you knock on that shell, the more mm -hmm. I'm going to stay hunkered down. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so what we find after these Thrive groups is couples typically, because you've built that container of trust, you've shared these stories. You're like, I never want this group to end because you have, you know, you've shared all these vulnerable stories and right, yeah. we now want to continue. And there's always been a request of where's the Thrive 2.0? Mm -hmm. Where's the Thrive 2.0? And so I built a workshop based on the 17 years that Russ and I have been going to couples counseling 
combined with the 17 Thrive Groups we've done. And I've built it for wives and I've called it the Wives Who Thrive Workshop. Mm -hmm. And some are like, okay, well, what about the husband? Well, two reasons. (laughs) One, I don't believe husbands want to get on a workshop and share their feelings. (laughs) Case in point, your husband. (laughs) They don't. (laughs) My husband has a full-time job. And so until he's able to do this full-time together, I am going to be there and available to mentor wives. Mm -hmm. Now, the best part about the workshop is the wives can do the videos and the PDF exercises together with their husband. So what was your impression and being a busy mama of two, what, what motivated you to jump on and take the wives who thrive workshop? Well, I think um, I was kind of at a point just with the pandemic world that we're in, because I think anybody who's either elderly or is a mom of a new baby who has been born during this pandemic, you're going nowhere and doing nothing and seeing nobody. Um, And so I was kind of at a point where I was like, I've got to talk to other people and at least have it be a meaningful conversation, not just a passing on the street kind of thing, or I'm going to lose it. Like I needed to have some little outlet somewhere, even if it was just a Wednesday night call for a few weeks, (laughs) like whatever it was, I needed something. Um, and I don't know if I just saw an email from you or what it was that I, I figured out that you were doing this workshop, but, um, and so I talked with Darren about it and Riley was right at that age where I was just about getting him through the night and on a regular schedule. And so, um, I was able to figure it out with Darren and Darren graciously said, yes, I'll take over bedtime responsibilities because Izzy will go a little bit beyond when RJ is going down. Um, and so he was able to, he was supportive of that and I was able to do it. But um, yeah, I mean, for even though I've been through Thrive as many times as I have, it's, if you're, it's almost like a language, like a, a foreign language. If you're not speaking it, you lose it. Um, or if you're not being, if you're not surrounded by it, you're losing it. And I'm surrounded by nothing but two babies and, you know, two little kids and, and my husband who's in his office working all day. So, um, you know, I'm not even going to a grocery store. So the, um, the need for human connection on a different level than what I was getting was definitely there. And, and just to honestly, to, to kind of maybe be a little more introspective of myself personally, um, you know, kind of what Darren does is, is between him and God and, and what he decides to, to, you know, if he decides to delve in further and, you know, I can't push him too much to do that kind of thing. Um, you know, I can mention, I can say, I, I saw this Andy Stanley series that was so great. You, you know, you really should watch it if you have some time. And, um, you know, I think you were all dealing with the living at home and being at home most of the time situation in different ways. And, um, you know, for me, that was, that was my connection to it, to do it. And it was after the kids were asleep. So that's kind of like my little window. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) and, and Russ would say, because we do thrive in the spring and the fall, Mm -hmm. he always says he's a better husband during thrive. Oh, totally. (laughs) Definitely. Because you're all thinking, you're thinking of your brags, you're thinking of, oh, you're trying, you're focusing on the positives your spouse is doing, not all of the negative, you know, like you're just, it reminds you to switch your brain. And, and you're right. He, he, he would say he felt, he he would fall off the wagon during the summers. It totally is. It's, it's like an addiction. Yeah. 
<laughs> and when you're talking about that the kids were in bed, what we do in the workshop is we offer a weekly live Zoom call. So you can go through the content as slow or as fast as you want to, but the weekly live Zoom call gives you an opportunity to come on there live, ask questions, share success, share a situation like how would you deal with this? And depending on how many wives are on there, get the opportunity to get feedback and know that you're not alone in what you're going through. It really, to be able to have that human connection to it and to bounce off questions with, with you, Danielle. And Danielle, you even came up with suggestions because you know me a little bit well enough now where, where you can say, I'm pretty sure that you do this. So, you know, <laughs> and we have a, a relationship where we're able to say that to each other, of course, but um, it just, it, it kind of gives you a, a kind of a check, you know, it's like a buddy check, like um, you're doing this, you might want to, and it really does kind of make you say, oh yeah, I do do that. And I need to make sure that I'm not. And, you know, you reminded me to be more vulnerable and I, we have a similar um, kind of life path and the fact that we got married in our mid thirties and mid to late thirties. And so um, for the first time. And so, you know, there's reasons for that. And both of our reasons are similar and different, I know, but um, it, there's just thing, you have a toughness that you have to have when you're in the business world and on your own for that many long, that many years. And the thought of being vulnerable is so out of that realm. like that is the last thing that you are can ever be in the business world if you show vulnerability yeah. it is like the wolves will feed and so breaking it's very good to have that a tough outer shell in that I don't know if you just call it chutzpah kind of yeah. in the business world yeah. um but in a relationship if you're too abrasive which i know i had an abrasiveness to me that i'm working on <laughs> um Same. if you if you don't ever let that down with your husband it oh it's not good <laughs> and he comes from the southern world where the women are genteel and proper oh. at all times <laughs> same with russ <laughs> so that is just not where i was coming from so you know he's had to understand and come to me a little bit and i've had to come down and bring on some of that take out you know kind of tap into some of that gentility as well so yeah my mom even told Russ before we got married she's like Danielle is like an egg she's got this hard exterior but she's like mush inside so good luck yeah. on getting there yeah <laughs> yep yep same so <laughs> that is so true and so the zoom calls give you that personal touch and exactly. a layer of accountability oh absolutely and just the fact that you can have other people say, oh yeah, I could see where you would have this perspective or where you had this perspective and, and having another wife say to you, well, this is how I did it when we, and we had the check-in and this is how it, how, how it went, you know? So anything that you're fearful of trying with your husband, you're getting a firsthand account from somebody else of how they did it. Right. And so that is, to me, that's so much more helpful than just looking at a screen and seeing your recording and really actually being able to talk to the human and get responses, you know, it's just, you can't replace that. Right. Well, I'm so grateful for your participation in there. And, and the neat part I think is that the, the content is for, for modules. So my, my attempt was to give transformation as quick as possible mm -hmm. and not just load up a bunch of information. Like you can get, you can go to YouTube and get a bunch of information, right. but my desire was to really provide transformation when it comes to communication. 
in, in the relationship. And then the, you have access to the content for a lifetime, as well as the Zoom calls, as long as I'm here and as long as this workshop's around, you know, so then you can pop in and pop out whenever, you know, let me just get a checkup, you know, once a month type of right. thing. Or even just refresh my mind on that video. You know, like, what right. was this called when I do this, 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 and this? What is that called again? And how do I express that with my husband? Or how do we talk about that? Or what the, the 20, was it 20? Um, the, the black and white thinking, the cognitive distortions. The cognitive distortions. Yes. I mean, just reminding yourself of those mm -hmm. and the ones that you're, you have a tendency towards. Um, or even saying to your spouse, you know, I think this might be one of yours. These are mine, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so this could be something we talk about, you know, that's, it helps to have it be a video and not be something you're spouting out. So, right. You know. Right. And the exercises give you the permission to ask and have that conversation because as parents, we fall into this routine logistical conversations that feel so repetitive. It feels like Groundhog Day. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the PDFs kind of break that up and give you permission to ask different questions and say, right. let's, let's explore this. Yep. Um, so, well, I've, I've enjoyed the fact that you've been a part of that community and that you're, you're in there um, now for a lifetime. Despite my chattiness. <laughs> oh, your <laughs> chattiness. Listen, both you and Russ, I will say this, both you and Russ can talk to a tree stump. Mm -hmm. but what you say to that tree stump makes it grow 10 feet tall. Like, I mean, I love what you guys deliver. And, and that's really powerful because there's not, not everybody wants to come into that kind of group mentoring community and open up and share. And right. I, I think it takes a few of us like you to be able to start the conversation. So, so as a busy mama, why would you recommend other mamas to sign up for the workshop when they already have so much on their plate? You know, it was funny, literally nine minutes before we were scheduled to start this call, I have yet to be able to get to our kitchen today. And so um, I, it's amazing how many, I set a timer for six minutes and that's how long I had to do some dishes. <laughs> <laughs> you'd be amazed at how many dishes you can wash in six minutes when you have to. Um, but I'm sitting there thinking, and I was actually, it's funny, I was thinking about that question because I'd read through the questions beforehand just to have an idea. Um, and so I was thinking about that and my sister-in-law had given me this book, this devotional book that was like the perfect devotional book for brand new moms when I had had it, when I had Isabella and it was, it's 90 days of devotions. And, um, every day is just one page. So it's doable when you have an infant. <laughs> Anybody knows when you have an infant, you can't do more than one page of reading ever. And so um, I read through, it, some of it was a little bit too heavy for me, but some of it was great. And this, the gal that wrote this book had um, a lot of humor inserted in it. So that was, and that's much, a lot in my wheelhouse. So if you can make it funny for me, I'm going to remember it. Mm -hmm. And so um, one of the things that she said is motherhood is relentless. And it really is. And to me, that is like the most appropriate descriptive adjective for motherhood. It is relentless mm -hmm. because work, hobbies, any other chores that you may have around the house, any other to-do list things, you check it off and it's done. Mm -hmm. Motherhood, it's never done. Like it, it really, in, in the best ways, in a lot of ways, but in some horrible, worrisome, like tear your heart out ways as well. Yeah. So um, like, especially when you're a new mom, like 
the kid is always on you. You're nursing. You are never clean. You have spit up. You haven't even dried, washed and dried your hair in four days. Like it's just, it is relentless. It never stops. I have a one-year-old and a five-year-old. I still don't shower every day. Mm -hmm. I shower three days a week because that's all I can get in with between the homeschooling and taking care of the kids and the two part-time jobs. I mean, that's just all there is time for. Literally, I need six more hours in every single day. It just, it never, ever, ever stops. And I am so blessed to have the temperament and the love of children, not just of my own, but I being, having been a nanny for many years, I truly do love the day-to-day. I can find the joy and the humor in the stupidest spit up moments and, you know, pulling on my hair and (laughs) the the teething crying baby. And I can find the snuggles in it and I can find that. And I'm blessed with that ability where not everybody, some, I think for a lot of women who are brought up in the generation where we all had careers before we were mothers, it's a burden and they don't feel like they're fulfilled and, and they don't have that same I'm making my paycheck and making a way in the world feeling from being a mom. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm lucky that I feel fulfilled and that I feel the energy and the love and the same. And and to me, it's more fulfilling than it ever was in the workplace, but not everybody has that thing. You know, some people have that thing with pets, you know, they can have that connection and that love of pets or they have it with gardening or something like that. But that's just been my thing. It's, it's with kids and I speak that language and I love that language. Um, but it never stops. Like there is, <laughs> there is never a break. Like even when they're asleep, you've got the monitor on, you're checking to make sure they're breathing. You're making sure that there's nothing in the crib that they can suffocate them. You know, you, and even the five-year-old, you're making sure she's not making it too hot in a room because she likes to get under 47 blankets and you have no idea why. <laughs> you know, it's just, you're always thinking of them and always thinking of what I've got to set up for tomorrow and how do I have to pack their lunches and why is she not eating her meal completely? And she's not going to get her protein. Her brain's not going to develop properly. And, you know, it's just, you're, it is always 500,000 and one worries. And then the next second, it's another 500,000 and one worries. So it just never, ever, ever stops. And if you don't give yourself an outlet somewhere at some point, (laughs) and you're not going to be able to do it all the time. You're not always going to be able to work out. If that was your thing, you're not always going to be able to you know, to be a part of a Zoom call or be a part of a workshop, it's going to be a limited thing, you know, a five-week thing, an eight-week thing or whatever, you know, but you have to give yourself that something somewhere, even if it's just you go on walks with your girlfriends twice a week or once a week or twice a month or three times a year, you know, whatever it is, you have to give yourself something or you will spiral kind of into an abyss of mommy dumb that you're and you're not a good mommy and you're not you're no longer loving it and appreciating it and you're definitely not a good wife at that point because I mean libido out the way like you are not even thinking of your husband and what he may need or want from you and I mean it's just it's hard enough to even get sleep and get done what you need to get done and thinking about the bedroom is like what yeah. <laughs> like you, when you don't even shower every day, like, do you want somebody pawing all over you when you haven't even showered? Like, <laughs> you know, so, yeah, you really, you just, you have to at some point or, or it, I think it, it really is detrimental to your psyche and especially this, you know, new pandemic world that we're in, that's going to be morphing and changing. If you, if you don't have some connection with people somewhere, I think you, you go batty. So yeah. And we, eventually we all need counseling. Is- you just need more. <laughs> 
eventually <laughs> those kids grow up and, and move on. And hopefully your relationship with your husband is still just as strong or not, if not stronger. Right. You don't want, and I think that's the biggest thing for moms is you don't want to get to when your kids are in school full time. So say they're like five and eight or five and 10 or whatever it is that your kids separation are. And then you actually look at your husband and you have an hour to talk to each other. And you're like, what have you been doing for the past five years? You know what I mean? Like you don't want to get there and not, or like the kids go off to school, like to college school and you don't know your spouse. So, you know, if you're not reminded by other people that you have to connect with your spouse, you might not, you might not get around to it because your to-do list is never ending. So it's just, it's so essential, I think for ourselves and for the man that is in our lives that needs us as a woman, not just as a mommy. So. Well, Gina, thank you so much. (laughs) You're welcome. My pleasure. This was fantastic. And thank you for sharing your, your journey on all of these. (laughs) And And I swear we're going to start the check-in at some point. Yes. And and that's the beauty of having the workshop. It's constantly there when you're ready, Mm -hmm. you go back in for a refresher and um, give it the good old college try. Exactly. So we'll I mean, I have, I've had the printout for the weekly check-in for three years now, so <laughs> actually getting around to doing it. And I dare, like I said, when I was going through the workshop and I was talking to Darren about being more vulnerable and I was sharing something with him and he actually shared something with me while I did that. So, I mean, just having the workshop remind, again, it's a reminder, you know, to do that. But um, he said, you know, and if we had weekly check-ins, you know, I probably would have talked about this a lot sooner and it wouldn't be something that got me upset. He has never brought up a weekly check-in before. So just me doing the workshop and discussing things with him made him think about it again too. So very cool. We're closer. Especially <laughs> for somebody that may feel like he's emotionally unavailable. Mm-hmm. You working at being more vulnerable is helping him open up very much so and you so you're modeling well for him it's kind of like that um if you work out your right side your left side gets 15 percent of the benefit (laughs) (laughs) yeah for rehab like if you're if you can't like your left leg is broken if you still work out your right leg you do transfer some to your left side it so, is all connected. Um, I mean, it makes sense. It's all connected. So you do get some, but I mean, obviously you're going to still atrophy on the other side, but you, you do transfer some oh. of the benefit to the other side. So whatever you're doing to work on yourself, it is going to benefit your spouse, even if they're not, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of, a lot of the wives say, it's not fair that I'm doing all the work. <laughs> and I feel that way too, because I'm an, it's not fair. It needs to be even Steven kind of person. So I struggle with that as well, but um it, it makes a difference. And the whole tone of your relationship can change. It really can. Just complimenting your husband every day and remembering mm. to do that or thanking him for something. Mm. I mean, it's it, a world of difference, little stuff. Well, on that note, <laughs> we will end this interview. And that was a fantastic place to end. So yes. wives, remember to brag on your husband Hopefully you model it well. He'll start bragging back on you. (laughs) And brag to other people about your husband. Yes, yes. That's big too. And um, so thank you uh, to Darren. I assume he's supervising their nap time right now. And and can't believe I've not heard a peep. Well, amazing. 
grateful and we hit we hit an hour exactly so thank you thank you for your time and um, i'll see you back in the workshop on the zoom calls yes when i get to it i will be there <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much gina you're welcome okay bye-bye bye, -bye. bye, -bye.